this just in. Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly slash fortnightly IMDb top 250 movies of all time podcast. This is a special episode. Uh, we're looking at Manchester by the Sea, Kenneth Lonergan's 2016 slash 2017 prestige Oscar nominated drama about life in Boston or just outside of Boston. 45 minutes outside of Boston, maybe 90 minutes in traffic. Maybe I'm, an hour and 15. Yeah. I'm Darren. I'm Andrew. And uh, yeah, let's let's sort of get to it. Now we're, we'll talk about the film a bit more in general, and then we'll talk about it in in sort of specifics later on. So if you haven't listened, if you haven't seen the film already, Andrew, uh, would you recommend people go see it? Absolutely. I really, really liked it. I have to say. Yeah, yeah. There is a lot to recommend about this movie. It really is. It's a it's a fascinating. It's one of those. It's sort of like the. Um, I find myself watching it and wondering: Are people allowed to be happy in like Massachusetts, in in sort of the broader Boston area? Oh, absolutely not. No, definitely not. Because it is, because I think, and it's it's pretty common in recent years. This is actually, you know, since, I think, Goodwill Hunting was one of the first films to sort of popularize it. Yeah. This idea of, like, sad, young white men in Massachusetts sort of contemplating their future, feeling lost, suffering loss, doing it in that stoic Irish way. Yeah. Sort of bottling it up, and so you see that then yeah, in... You, we, 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 we all know what Catholicism uh, teaches us, yes. Yeah. I do like that. There is if, nice... if, if it feels good, don't then do it. Then it's a it. sin, yeah. Or or do it, but feel really guilty immediately afterwards and exactly. for the foreseeable future. Um, it is. It, it stars Casey Affleck, um, not Ben Affleck. Actually, interestingly enough, the original idea for the film came from Matt Damon, of all people. He originally pitched the idea to uh, writer and director Kenneth Lonergan um, of this idea of a, of a man who moves back home following a family tragedy and has to connect with his nephew and in doing so comes to terms with a tragic loss from his own past or maybe doesn't come to terms with that loss depending on how the film plays out matt damon you've done it again he really has apparently the original plan was for him to direct it uh but he couldn't do it due to other commitments has matt damon directed i believe he has directed i don't believe he's directed anything on this scale okay but uh, yeah this was supposed to be his big sort of uh coming out sort of his ben affleck moment where everyone's like oh uh, you could direct, and also we we don't dislike you at all, unlike Ben Affleck. Yeah, some people dislike uh, Matt, Matt Damon. He 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 got a bit of stick for for uh, mansplaining diversity. Yeah, um, but uh, aside from that, there's not that much I can think about. Um, and that that was seemed maybe just unfortunate and fairly yeah. minor. You yeah. know, like well-meaning he, as opposed exactly. to as opposed yeah, to sort yeah. of actively hostile. Um, I think he did, he did get an easier ride of things than Ben Affleck. I think he, it also helps that he's made better movies than Ben Affleck. Um, he never went through that 90 phase where he was in Phantoms or Daredevil or Elektra or, or whatever. <laughs> yes, or Gigby. Uh, more is the shame. But anyway, he was originally supposed to star in it. But then Chasing the... Amy. I remember I, 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 I liked that one. It was... Anyway, sorry, we're, 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 we're not talking about Ben Affleck. We're talking about although, Casey Affleck. Although that, that, that Chasing Amy is not a good movie. I still have a soft spot for Chasing Amy. It's many issues aside. Anyway. But we won't get into that. No. Casey, sure. Casey, Casey. It's all about Casey Affleck. Casey Affleck plays uh, Lee, who comes home following the passing of his brother uh, and finds himself basically thrust into the role of caring for his, his young nephew, Patrick. Yeah. Um, and basically, it's, it's a study of these two people and the community in which they live. And basically, Wiley left uh, Manchester, the eponymous community of Manchester by the sea and how he's sort of, how he's coming to terms with, with a past in a way that he, he didn't have to beforehand. 
Yeah. Or not. Or not, depending on how the film plays out. I think it's I think it's absolutely well, I think first of all, I think the film is anchored in that central performance from Casey Affleck. Yeah. I think the film pretty much kept... uh, I I think um yes. But um I there's there's so much there's so much else in this movie that buttresses oh, his yeah, performance. Definitely. And maybe that's even unfair to to the other things that are good about this movie. Yeah, no, it has a great script. It's got really good direction. It's got a fantastic supporting cast. It looks fantastic. It sounds fantastic. Yeah. There there are so many moments of of truth, yeah. and you you can see how good the acting is and how good the direction is. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a lot of it was it was very naturalistic. So yeah. I imagine there was a, there was a lot of effort by the director to kind of allow those moments to happen i mean i i i I haven't seen or heard of any of the behind the scenes uh sort of discussion of it but i got that impression from watching it well i mean uh lonergan and lonergan is he's a relatively new director he's only directed three films and in fact his last film was margaret which was a bit of a bit of a, a storm he directed it in 2006 but it only finally was released in 2011 Apparently, it was a really traumatic experience for everybody involved because he he wanted to deliver a, a cut of the movie that was three hours and eighteen minutes, but the studio insisted on bringing it down to two or two and a half tops, and so they got embroiled in this five year sort of heavy battle over it. But Lonergan began as a script doctor. In fact, he's twice nominated for his works on his work on scripts, most notably for Gangs in New York, and Scorsese actually has uh, Scorsese sung his his praise saying. Uh, he has a real brilliance for understanding people. He's able to create the heart of the character and the heart of the situation. The emotion is there, plus an extraordinary intellectual view. All of this went back and forth, line by line, word by word, action by action, meaning, behavior. And I think there's a very solid argument to be made that, that Lonergan is one of the strongest writers currently working in Hollywood. Certainly. I, yeah, I, 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 this, 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 this is a very well, very well written movie. And there was so much when, when a movie has a, a certain feel or mood, the way this movie does, it can be very easy to fall into, I, I guess for writers to, 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 to fall into scripting everything towards that mood. Yeah. But there was so much. Because there, there's, there's, there's a central, there's a central plot to this, but that doesn't occupy everybody's um, thoughts and words uh, throughout the movie. There's, no. there's, there's, there's so much, there's so much of life in this movie. Well, there's a sense that the plot exists only insofar as it illuminates the the characters. Um, apparently, originally Lonergan didn't even want to include flashbacks. There's, there are quite a few flashbacks over the course of the film. But he didn't want to include them. He just wanted to have the characters sort of express it through their through their behavior and through their actions. I think actually one of the things I really like about this is there's a minimum amount of dialogue, but it's still an extraordinarily well written film. Like Casey Affleck as Lee spends a lot of the film being sort of quiet and introspective and not saying very much. And what he does say is often perfunctory or very basic. Yeah. But you feel that the, the script conveys very well where he's coming it from does. and who he is. Oh, oftentimes he has these kinds of lines that that's, um, that he repeats and they're very simple. But the the they they mean they mean a great deal. As in we 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 see a lot we see a lot in that character based on these very small kind of um, pity exchanges. Like I'm I I I don't think it's to spoil anything. The the um 
when his his nephew asks a number of times, like, uh, "Will you drive me to band practice? Will you drive uh, me to my girlfriend's house? Will you yeah. drive me to my other girlfriend's house?" And yeah, he 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 has this kind of like response each, like he just kind of pauses for a moment, and then I guess realizes that he's the, the child's guardian, and it's like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Sure, sure, sure. I guess I have to. I feel obligated to. And there is, there's like, I mean, there's a great example here of like Casey Affleck. There's a scene which we'll talk about when we get to the spoilers and where something absolutely horrific and harrowing happens. And uh, Casey Affleck was talking about when he read the the scene, this the scene description for that one detail stood out to him. This was written into the script that he's holding this bag. It was one of the few scenes where I read it and I thought, well, what's going on here? Um, and this is, this is, he's referring to a scene in which a character is holding a bag of groceries and he proceeds to hold it throughout the entirety of the scene which is quite would seem incongruous and would seem to run counter to what you would expect the scene to play and Affleck said well I thought if I have to get upset I can get myself to feeling upset but why does he want me holding a bag then when we came to do the scene it made perfect sense the character he he doesn't scream and gnash his teeth and pull out his hair he's just clamped down on himself from that moment he tightens up so once I held on to the bag I thought this this is how the rest of the moment ought to play out. He's just trying to hold on, and that ends up carrying him, carrying over to so much more. He never lets himself have any sort of catharsis or release in any way. And sort of this is when, when Affleck's talking about this, he says that this is an, an example where I learned to have faith in the writing and in Kenny. It seemed like a little detail, but it made so many other things work. And there's a lot of little details like that throughout the film, where like theme is suggested through like action or through through metaphor through even through a small detail like a character holding onto a grocery bag in the midst of a much bigger scene yeah because it, there, there, uh, it's funny how a lot of the um, incongruous stuff in this movie feels the most real yeah um yeah i mean we we just did a movie where there were a lot of obvious choices yeah and there were, there were very few obvious choices made in this movie. And they feel all the more organic for it. They certainly do, yeah. And actually, and, and I don't want to get too much into spoilers about this, but one of the things that I really loved about uh, this, and it ties into what's said and what's not said. Careful now. I know. Is the sense that, like, there is a really black theme of comedy running through this, a really black, black vein of, like, comedy and humour running through Manchester by the Sea, which is kind of counter to... The rest of the tone of the film because you were talking earlier about like how easy it would be as a writer to play into the tone of this dark depressive sort of story yeah but i think that would be less um truthful oh no no i i, I agree i i think i think this movie is more um uh, compellingly sad because of how it refuses to be maudlin yeah and, and, and there are even in even in moments of, of horror and suffering and like even at the worst moments where characters are at their lowest ebb there's always something almost blackly blackly funny about their situations about how it plays not about their situations but about the particulars like it seems like the universe has been designed to yeah. like to mock them almost yeah i i i ha i was i was thinking i guess i mean we will will per per perhaps we'll move to the spoiler zone i i would say I would recommend people see this movie. I think it's a very powerful movie. Do you think um, it's one of it's it's currently nominated for the best picture? Do you think it's one of the best films you've seen in the past year? I do. So do I. I do. I I um well you know how much I like La La Land. So yeah. it would be very difficult for it to 
to surpass that. Well, yeah. you, I mean, you don't think it's going to win, but you think it definitely deserves no. to be in the conversation. Yeah, and certainly, certainly much more than um, Hacksaw Ridge. Than, than Hacksaw Ridge or Arrival, presumably as well. Arrivals as well is yeah. is, is, is the actually... is the other is the other movie we've seen, and Arrivals was better than Hacksaw Ridge. This this <laughs> is better than Arrivals. This is better than Arrivals. I would say La La Land is maybe better than this, but they're very right. different movies. And you should definitely go to, see them. Yeah, to to say to say that La La Land is better than uh, Manchester by the Sea is to completely miss the point. Yeah, uh, both of these movies are fantastic. I would agree with that assessment. Um, and do you think it belongs in the top two fifty, top two hundred fifty movies of all time ever made? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it it certainly isn't out of place. No, not 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 in the slightest, and. I I think looking through the two fifty, we sometimes we sometimes look at movies and think, oh, why is that in? What the hell is that doing? Yeah, there? exactly. But 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 I I think Manchester by the Sea is a terrific piece of film. Yeah. It it like it. I I think I said it earlier briefly. Um, how well it looks and how well it sounds. Yeah. The the shots in this movie are terrific. Beautifully composed. Uh, perfectly. Fantastic lighting, but um, the, the sound mixing, which will, which I'll talk about. I'll, I want to talk about when we get to the horror film. But even stuff like the sound construction in the film is amazing. Like, yeah, it, it it creates a perfect sense of place, but also a perfect sense of every. There's a sense that everything in the film, despite the fact it's a two hour and seventeen minute film, and despite the fact that its its script, its characters ramble and its plot is is relatively light, it feels like everything in the film is assembled towards a specific purpose around yeah. a particular theme. I would, like, yeah, I would, I would, I would say to, to people it. thinking about watching this movie, it did actually lag a little bit for me. Yeah. It, it did, it did feel a bit long, but as soon as it felt a little bit long, it was pretty much over. Uh, uh, so, like, like it, you, you can't criticize it too much. Yeah. Too many movies you watch, and at the point where it where it seems okay, end now, it they just, just keep going. going. <laughs> Yeah, well, think, this 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 was not the case. Yeah. Now, to be fair, two hours and seventeen minutes is the length of your average modern blockbuster, unfortunately. And I think it's it. This is much more deserving of the length. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I miss ninety-minute blockbusters, um, and I also miss ninety-minute podcasts. All right. So, with that in mind, then uh, we both recommend going to see it. We both think it deserves to be on the best picture list this year. What? Uh, how is it placing? Uh, what do you mean in the uh, in the IMDb? Yeah. Uh, Two fifty. It's it's actually came in about one sixty. And right. it's dropped significantly. It's now about 178. I would expect to see it drop even sharper still. Okay. It, it yeah. Got... It, uh, so, I mean, it may it may, it may, may be that it falls off entirely, which would be a shame. It would be. Well, I mean, I suspect, like, we were, as we were literally, as we were on our way to record this, we noticed that Moonlight came in at uh, number 242. Congratulations to Moonlight. I really enjoyed it. Um, if it is still there by the time it's released in Ireland in several weeks, uh, we will talk about it. Unfortunately, if it, if it isn't still in, we may not talk about it. Uh, but there is a sense that, like, they are getting a big boost as part of the Oscar conversation. And sort of, there's a sense that they're leveling out, and they're already leveling out. Yeah, we we we've already had complaints uh, from people that the Oscars are just completely Inf- taking over, inflating the two fifty. The, the two fifty. We're trying to be relevant. We're trying to keep it modern and hip. Kids like the Oscars, right? Um, now, to be fair, um, it's very hard to tell what what will come in and what will go out because I mean, The Help is an example of a Best Picture nominee that. Dear goodness, should have gone out long ago, but it's somehow still clinging in around. There's a 200. number of movies that we keep seeing, kind of in 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 the bottom of the, of the two fifty, jumping in and out. 
Kind Hearts and Coronets and Gangs of Wasipur. I don't know how many in and out charts have featured those. those. And the imitation game is another one. That, but there, there is a tendency of some of these Best Picture nominees to hang around. I wouldn't mind seeing Moonlight, which is in the time that we've been talking about, it has dropped four spaces. Yeah. Uh, to give an example. So I suspect we may not be talking about reload it. Reload the page there. Yeah, reload the page and see how it's doing. So with that in mind then, uh, and acknowledging that we will try to get back to our regular scheduled podcast soon, let's segue gently uh, into the spoiler zone and let's sort of talk a bit about the movie in a bit more depth and in sort of what we liked, what we didn't like, what we thought the movie was really about and how it was about it. All right? Spoiler zone. All right, Andrew. So what was Manchester by the Sea about for you? I... I... I was thinking about this as I was as I was um, leaving the film because I think there are there are things that this is about, but I was trying to I was trying to figure out rather than just saying that this is a movie about grief about grief and, and de- devastation, I was wondering what point is being made about grief and devastation because it this as 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 you listeners know who've seen the movie this is a movie about a man. Who has lost um, his three children? His three children in in a fire that he inadvertently caused. Yeah, and it has scarred um, him. Horribly. Yeah, he he is he, a broken man. He's retreated. He's retreated from the the wonderful idyllic um, Manchester by the sea towards uh, is a Quincy, the suburb of Boston, in which yeah. he lives in a basement in a room that is is furnished like a prison cell. Like there's a little bit of light that creeps up creeps in from ground level he's working as a janitor which means he's unblocking toilets and he's dealing with sort of soggy uh, showers and he's he's basically hey, don't look down your nose at him I, to be honest i think that's I part think, of what he's going i, I for. think that's the intention yeah. well that's the in- i think that's the intention but i think that's also the intention of the part of the character yeah like the character repeatedly is shown to want to inflict pain on himself yeah um whether that's by ignoring a, a beautiful woman at the bar and or whether it's by engaging in fisticuffs with two random strangers on the other side of the bar. Fisticuffs. It's like, have at you, you brute. Yes. Um, there's a, there was a cutscene where Casey Affleck slaps one of the uh, business-suited gentlemen uh, with a glove and goes about his business. But there is a sense that he's been sort I of exiled. satisfaction. There is a sense that he's been sort of self-exiled from paradise almost. Oh, yeah. And he's, an un- he's a completely unrecognizable person to... The residents of to, the town when he comes back. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, to yeah, to the to the person he once was. Yeah. As in, he he had been this uh, gregarious, um, life loving, uh, energetic, yeah, like devoted sort of like his kids loved him, playful. his wife loved him, his brother loved him. He had a whole bunch of male friends who like came to his house and drank until the wee hours of the morning. A lot of drinking in this film. Oh yeah, a lot uh, of drinking. Um, but yeah, the, there was a sense that he was somebody who loved life. Yeah. And then that sort of sapped away from him. He's become this sort of introverted, sort of quiet, uh, very much like withdrawn and consciously withdrawn. Yeah. Yeah. But there, there's, and I feel like, I don't know to what extent, to how, how universal this sensation will be of when things have, gone badly and when you've been devastated to whatever extent because obviously the devastation wrought in this movie against lee against lee is 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 quite horrendous and it's the kind of devastation (coughs) that that fortunately 
many of us will never have to even um ha- uh, well i mean uh, his brother's solicitor says no one can know what you've been through no one can speak to what yeah. you've been through like but at the same time i like i think the power of these movies um are that they that they speak to some portion of a person's experience as, and i as i say i don't know how universal it is but i would i i, w- I would say that it, it would be common enough i would say for myself I would have that um, sensation sometimes where I'm feeling particularly devastated, where you just think, you know, screw it. You just sink into yourself. Absolutely, like like I'm I'm not going to try. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna retreat. I'm gonna go somewhere where I can get by if I have to absolutely get by. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not going to push. I'm or, not going to, you know. Engage. Yeah, where 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 you just want to kind of punch a wall and yeah. la- lash out and isolate yourself i suppose from from uh from all the things that have yeah maybe this says more about me (laughs) no no i I can definitely empathize now obviously nothing that either of us has been through i hope no 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 no, no. close to to what lee experiences but i do think it's sort of it speaks to that like i think that yeah it's sort of that experience but one of the things that i like about this about manchester by the scene since we're in the spoiler zone we can talk about the ending of the film is that it's a movie that firmly rejects this idea that you can get that everybody is capable of getting over anything. Yeah. Like the 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 yeah. movie I yeah. is structured in such a way that you think the pattern of the story is going to be Lee is broken by what happened to him and then redeeming himself. And then he redeems himself through Patrick, which is what his brother clearly intends. When his brother passes away, yeah. his will leaves Patrick in in the care of Lee. And the obvious intention is that Lee will come back to Manchester by the sea and integrate into the community. Okay, and, replacement and, therapy. And get a yeah, get a get basically create a new family for himself. But the central point towards the end of the film, as as reinforced through his conversations with his ex wife and through his conversations with Patrick, he literally says, I can't beat this. That's that's what I when I when I was when I was struggling to think what what point was being made that's basically what i kind of the the only conclusion i came to was in spite of how beautiful um the world is because it could or can be um it can't all of all of the all of the value and all of the love and all of the beauty in the world can't can't make up for the devastation that's that 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 same world can 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 inflict yeah as as in like like he well it can't it, always i think no it, I think yeah it can't exactly. always if we're not we're not being overly cynical here no 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 I, 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 we're, we're i'm i'm not i'm not saying that that's that 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 life is always on balance life is nothing but <laughs> suffering <laughs> that is one of my favorite catchphrases <laughs> is, is 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 life is nothing but but uh we, we, weeping and wailing in this valley of tears um uh, hoping for death but no, they, 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 um, I don't. I don't genuinely believe that. I think this movie says that in some cases, yeah, you're, 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 um, you can be destroyed by life, yeah, and there, there may not be anything in that can bring you back in life that can bring you back, and, and it, that, that, that's the unfortunate truth of, of, I think this character, yeah, and I mean it is a recurring theme for for the writer, uh, Kenneth, uh, and director. Uh, Kenneth Ogerton, uh, who basically um, he does something similar in Margaret, which was about in in many ways 
like New York trying to come with ter- terms with 9-11 through like this small story of interconnected lives that were sort of shattered by a horrible accident. There is this sense that he's talked in interviews about how he rejects the idea that even Hollywood blockbusters now, even like feel-good adventure films, have to have this sort of self-help message for characters whereby characters are always healed by the end or always made whole and are always redeemed. And his, his argument is that life doesn't work like that and, and and like you're talking about how it feels very naturalistic and how it feels very well observed that's kind of part of what uh, Lonergan likes to write he's talked about how he would like to write a movie without a plot if he could get away with it because he thinks it would be just be interesting to observe people yeah. uh, on on screen as opposed to the the stories that we're used to hearing with the the three-act structure and the the idea that like no matter what happens you can pick yourself up and you can be made whole in some ways this 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 movie is 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 not very plot driven at all there there's there is so many uh slices of life yeah that are not um central to um like the actual plot is is just literally that joe dies uh who is lee's brother yeah joe joe dies uh lee has to look after um patrick yeah, Patrick, and, who's 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 Joe's son, and then decides he can't, and that do, doesn't want to. Uh, wants to move Patrick to to Boston. To, to Boston, Patrick is understandably against it. Um, I mean, he has two girlfriends in a band. He does. He does. I love Patrick, but we'll talk about that later. Um, but there is Very, yeah, a tremendous performance. Yeah. Well, I mean, Oscar Oscar nominated performance um, there, for example. Like, I mean, there are three three of the performances in Manchester by the Sea are Oscar nominated. Uh, Casey Affleck is the most obvious one. He's the high. He's the favorite. He's currently he was the favorite to win Best Actor until Denzel Washington took the Screen Actors Guild Award. Uh, but there's also um, hold on, I'll get the names now. But there's also Michelle Williams, for example. Um, is nominated in the supporting actress category. Uh, you don't have to look up Michelle Williams uh, for name. Randy. She, she, yeah. she, 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 she was in Dawson's Creek. Was she? Yeah. Okay. This is this is a revelation to me. I, really? I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. If actually... you if you thought she had had enough suffering, oh, no, um, in 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 her life from from from, from being in from from being in Dawson's Creek, then she she. Well, here's yeah. the thing. Like, can you think of the last time you saw Michelle Williams happy on screen? I, I was thinking about this myself, with the exception of maybe The Wizard of Oz, and even that's a sad happiness. That's a forced happiness. Like, Michelle yeah. Williams does not play happy people. She's she's the the um, the wife of... Um, is it Heath Ledger or... Um, da, 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 in Brokeback Mountain. Is she? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I thought that was Anne Hathaway. No, she's the other wife. Okay, wait, do, do they both have wives? Yeah. Okay. She's oh. Alma. I've got no idea whose wife Alma is. Um, she's also the wife in, obviously, Shutter Island and stuff like that. Um, and she's, yeah. But she's she's got this long... She played Marilyn Monroe in My Week with Marilyn. Um, she's, yeah. She was in Cindy and Blue Valentine with Ryan Gosling. Um, she was in uh, Sinkadike, New York, which is that wonderful uh, movie from Charlie Kaufman. But yeah, I was just sort of thinking about this, like... Michelle it is difficult to say. Really doesn't play. Thank you, Andrew. Would you care to give it a go? Um, Synodoke? Who said it better? <laughs> Tweet us now. But yes, yeah, I think Michelle Williams has. I don't think it's been a long time since I played Michelle. A scene since I played Michelle Williams. It's a long time since I've seen Michelle Williams play an entirely happy character. 
Um, and then Lucas Hedge has also got an Oscar nomination for playing Patrick. Hedges, you might know from, um, do you remember Moonrise Kingdom? I don't. I, I didn't see it. I okay. wanted to. Never never got the chance. He plays a little kid. It was with working motorbike. too hard those days. Oh, okay. Work hard, play hard. Well, it is in the 250, so we might see it again. But he plays uh, the kid with the motorbike in um, Moonrise Kingdom, which is... Gretchen Mall was in this? Of course she was. She was the mother. Oh. Gretchen Mall, great. Um, horribly underrated actor. Um, she's she's superb. She was actually really good in Boardwalk Empire, which is one of those shows with so so scripting. Well, not so so. I remember scripting, seeing Gretchen Mall in something and her being fantastic. Well, she she is just, in a number of things. Yeah, she's like fantastic in everything. Everything from like uh, was it the Notorious Betty Page? Yeah. Through to like the Thirteenth Floor, uh, even which is not a good film. Was she in to Yuma? Uh, yes, she was indeed. You're correct. Um, so no, she's like she's she's really really good. But yeah, so no, it's it's a great cast built around Casey Affleck. But yeah, these characters seem very lived in and very sort of like, there's a sense that the the film isn't that interested in plot, but it's much more interested in seeing how these characters tick. Like there's a wonderful moment where after they read the will, mm-hmm. after they read the will, um, they go out to the car and a bo- there's a random bystander who, when uh, Patrick and Lee are having an argument, intervenes and, you know, he's like, you can't talk to a kid like that. Great parenting. Yeah, great parenting. That's that's the writer and director, uh, Kenneth Hollergan, by the way. Is it? It is. But there's this wonderful shot of uh, the character walking away, like without Lee in it and without Patrick in it. And it's it's just a weird little shot, but it gives you a sense that maybe this random guy who intervened in this conversation, maybe he has a life of his own. Yeah, it would be a very kind of um, American dad kind of move if it were just to follow him for the next five or ten minutes. <laughs> um, American dad or family guy. <laughs> and then, uh, then eventually the car would drive by with Lee and, and, sort of and pop Patrick back. and it would pop back. Yeah, uh, But there is there is that sense of sort of like a lived-in world almost. And and before before they get in, in the car, while, while they're in the office, it um so Lee is in um being talking to the, the lawyer talking to the lawyer. Patrick is in the waiting room playing on his phone and at the same time you you see to the right of the shot the, the, the receptionist. Yeah. And she has this kind of like really kind of wholesome smile like at at, at all times. She she's and 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 it's 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 fantastic because it's so out of place to yeah. to to the scene that's been uh, done Playing around out. it. Yeah, because this is this is intercut with the story of finding out what happened to Lee. That because early in the film, everybody's all like, "Is that Lee? That's Lee. That's Lee Chandler. Is yeah, Lee, Lee Chandler." And you never find out. You don't. You have to wait about half an hour to forty minutes to find out what actually happened. Yeah. Um. And and which when, is why it's appropriate that we have a, a spoiler zone for this movie. That is pretty much the only spoiler. Yeah. And 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 it is a spoiler because I, I I believe that that the movie Intense, wouldn't be as yeah. powerful if you came in knowing that that's what happened to him. That that's yeah. that's what, what that's why it was such a big deal for him to come back. And I, I think it is, and I think it works very well because it puts when you first meet Lee, you're put in the perspective of the people around him. Yeah. Because like you don't know because he doesn't talk, he doesn't speak, he doesn't articulate. Yeah. Uh, so you you sort of see the rough outside of him before you see it explained why it is. And there's a moment even later on in the film where Patrick, who's been very tough on Lee uh, throughout the film, like goes up to the bedroom and notices the pictures of the three kids. Yeah. And it, there's like it's it's a nice long shot. It it lasts for about two minutes, and it's just Lucas Hedges sort of staring at the pictures, and you can see 
what's playing through his head where he's like is this a reason why is this does you know it's it's as if all of a sudden everything that lee is is doing makes sense in a way that you know I, he would have known beforehand because obviously it's not a secret but because lee never talks about it i don't think he understood it intuitively or emotionally oh yeah like the the the, the interesting thing about this is that i think it's suggested a few times in the movie that there are pe- that there are people in the town of Manchester by the sea, who 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 don't forgive Lee for for what he's done, yeah. or who still hold it against him, but I think for the most part, people want to integrate with Lee. Michelle Williams' character still loves him and and wants to go to lunch, uh, even just yeah, so. exactly, and, and talk and, and to yeah. apologize for the things and, that she said, exactly, and she wants to give him forgiveness. Yeah. It's not that Lee can't uh, be accepted by um by 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 the community um it's not that they can't live with him it's that he can't live with himself yeah and the more the closer you are to home the more you are reminded of who you are yeah and i think uh, the film captures that very yeah because he can he can go to quincy and he can he can be he can be he can be anybody and the anybody he chooses to be is a nobody yeah it's which, a guy living in a basement. Yeah, just like a, a, there's nothing there. Yeah, which is which is which is what he wants because he doesn't. This is a, this is interesting because I was, I was sort of thinking of this. So I've seen this a couple of times now, um, and it is there's the sense of like Lee as as this sort of vacuum at the center of the film, like this character who can't forgive himself and who can't explain himself and who doesn't articulate himself or doesn't want to. Doesn't want himself. to. Yeah. Yeah. But at, on the other hand, then there's Joe, the character who's only he's played by Kyle Chandler, who is great. But he's only seen through flashbacks um, and he's often sort of the way the movie frames it. And again, this is this is Lonergan is actually a really good director. He's a fantastic writer, but he's a really, really good director as well, where like all the shots to create the sense of like nostalgia and sort of, of of memory, like a lot of the shots featuring Joe feature Joe in in the distance, in the middle distance or in the far distance. So, for example, yeah, the, the from the back or yeah. from the back. So it's almost like he's a phantom. Like he, like we don't really see that much of Kyle Chandler's face except for the scene where he's he's getting the diagnosis uh, of his heart defect, or even like, a, and it's not even that close up uh, when he's arguing with Lee before Lee goes to the motel. But in general, there's a sense that he's a, he's a ghost that haunts the film. But he's a ghost who is well defined and well loved. Because you talk about like there's a scene at the very end where Lee is fixing a pipe for like That's a local right. resident, yeah, and the local yeah. resident knows nothing about lee but knows everything about joe he knows he's a he's a decent sort he's a good fellow he's he's very well liked well liked and there's a sense that like joe is is larger than life even in death that he sort of he's projected himself and through caring like through sort of being there for people um because even even rusty who who admittedly wanted to forgive lee but can't has found herself like she considers herself very close to joe like she, she wants to be there at the funeral. She talks about how she became closer to Joe after after the passing away. Did you uh, say Rusty? Is it Rusty? What's I think it's Randy. It's Randy. Apologies. Rusty is the lead character in the Cars movie. Uh, it is Randy. Randy Chandler. But she um, is yeah. is is uh, is is Rusty p- p- played played by um, Larry Newman? the Cable Guy. Paul. Oh, he is maybe yes. Not Paul Newman. Very different character. Very different. Character. Very different character. But there is a sense that, yeah, that, that Joe, despite not being present for the film, is Nader. a presence. That's his name. Nader, apologies. Is a, is a presence. Joe is, is a presence despite not being present. And actually, this is one of the things that I, I like. And this is one That's of the... a movie that Michelle Williams was happy in. 
Pixar's Cars. Thank you, Andrew. Um, Michelle Williams may not have been in Pixar's Cars. May not. May not. We won't bother fact-checking that particular argument. But we're talking about like things like the, the movies, the way the movie's well-written without that, that writing being dialogue. And things like, one of the things I really like about the film is that it captures the sense that what you say is not necessarily important. What you say is not the most important thing when you are dealing with somebody who is hurt or somebody who's dealing with something or somebody who's trying to get through something. It's not the words that you speak. It's not the, the platitudes that you find. It's the simple act of being present. Yeah. That is that is one of the things that I really like about the film. And it happens with Joe when he's helping Lee cope with the loss of his children. Joe is not there to talk or to, to, to like to actually to do much, but he's there to be there. So he drags Lee out to shop and buy furniture. He makes sure that Lee calls when he gets to the motel because he's worried about him committing suicide. He insists that like Patrick come out and say goodbye to his uncle because he understands the importance of that gesture. I think there's something very sort of powerful. And then Lee later on tries to return that gesture because Lee is not a very good communicator. But he does try to be there for Patrick in his own way. I think like, communication is difficult and hurtful um, yeah. for him. Yeah. I think if you open your mouth, you're 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 more uh, recognizable. Yeah. You know, you're, you're you're more you become more conspicuous and more in the world. And he wants to be out of the world. Yeah. But I mean, there's there's a wonderful scene where, and this is one of those nice, like there are lots of really nice black comic moments. And I say really nice black comic moments. I think I mean well observed black comic moments where like. They can't bury Joe because the ground is too hard. So they have to put him in a freezer uh, for winter until the ground thaws and they can dig it up and they can basically bury him. And this, understandably, it bothers both Lee and Patrick, although Lee has learned to sort of repress and suppress that, whereas Patrick sort of struggles with it. But there's a moment late in the film where Patrick goes down to get something out of the freezer and all these frozen chickens pop out. Yeah. And this sort of gives him like this this weird nervous breakdown, this weird sort of nervous panic attack. It was funny, actually, when I saw the trailer for this movie, it kind of, it, it, it led me to believe that this movie was, di- it was a different kind of a movie. Okay, what did it lead you to believe it was? I, I saw the trailer and I thought, okay, Casey Affleck is the uncle of, of, of this kid. Yeah. The, the, Patrick. Ki- kid Patrick. Kid Patrick. stays in the picture. His father dies. What I thought when I saw the movie was, oh, this 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 kid is like has this debilitating um, uh, uh, panic attack, like anxiety, um, all the time, and this and this is Casey Affleck kind of learning um, to cope with it. Yeah, and, and like essentially being being a carer for this very difficult child. And I watched the movie, and it's like that is not what it it's is the at exact all. Opposite of that, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, this this this. this um, this child has one panic attack. Yeah, um, that lasts and, a grand total of two yeah. minutes, if even. Oh, by the way, this, I mean, the 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 child's father has just died. And I think, I think it's, I think in, 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 in cases um, where these uh, illnesses can last over five or ten years and the family have already almost kind of, a, 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 accepted it. That is accepted that, it. Yeah. You 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 sometimes you sometimes do see that sort of. I mean, he 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 gets on with with with, with his life very much. Yeah, Patrick. 
because he, he's 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 a teenager. I think I think I'd be interested to know what you think about it, Darren. I I feel like um, I yeah I feel like Lee comments on it a lot. He's he he seems to say to people, yeah. I mean, he seems fine. <laughs> um, Lee is the keen observer of human nature, yeah, yeah, uh, including yeah. his own human nature. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I think, well, first of all, I think that there's something very honest um, in, in the way that that sort of like Patrick's portrayed and that like Patrick generally deals with it by in the same way that Lee does. It's a stoic Irishness of not dealing with it. But while Lee not does tries to not deal with his pain by completely burying himself um in you know underneath this sort of this this stoic veneer i think patrick sort of loses it by trying to pretend to be cool and with it like he's got two girlfriends he's in a band yeah. he wants to run the boat um he's he he he's occupied himself yeah whereas um lee has isolated himself yeah as as two different ways of dealing with uh, with, with with devastation yeah but i and I, I mean eventually it breaks through for both of them and i think that like the panic attack with the frozen chicken and one of the things I really liked about the scene, to get back to what we were talking about originally, was just the bit where, like, Lee understands that he kicks down the door because he doesn't want Patrick to be alone. Because uh, he doesn't want to be alone while he's having this breakdown. But then he says he's going to stay with him. And he's not going to say anything. Yeah. He's just going to be physically present in the room with him. That was very powerful. And I think that's that's something that the movie tries to say. I think that's, like, a central point the movie tries to make repeatedly. is this idea... That like merely being present. Yeah. Is, and is... it's that idea where, where the other person is like, um, leave me alone. I'm okay. And yeah. it's like, no, no I'm you're, here. You're buying furniture. Yeah. I, I love Joe so much. I wish, yeah. I wish, I wish Joe were my uncle. Yeah. <laughs> if, 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 if I Darren's were... Darren's uncle is listening. And we're very sorry. If I were stranded on a desert island. Go, go, go buy Darren some furniture. Yeah. If I, if I had to, if I had to, if I was stranded on a desert island and I had to choose between I could only take one person. And she's between Lee and Joe. I, I just, I think Patrick made the right choice uh, early in the film. Uh, Andrew, would you agree with that? Uh, yeah. I think the film is a little loaded, though, in that regard. I don't yeah, think yeah. Uh, the there there was there was a moment as well that reminded me of 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 real life because um, when when Patrick. Patrick says, um, "Can can 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 I order pizza, like uh, and and have my friends over?" And I I think um, when we had finished watching this movie, I think both of us felt very tired and very emotionally kind of down. drained. Yeah. yeah, and we were like, "This is going to be a long podcast, and it's late." Pizza. And then Darren said, "Pizza." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." All of a so, sudden, so what you're saying, what you're saying is, I'm the lead to your uh, to your Patrick. Basically, is what I'm getting from this. <laughs> um, but no, and uh, okay, so let's let's talk a bit about Patrick because Patrick is Patrick's a great. Well, first of all, Lee is Lee. There, everybody, every character in this film feels very well formed and very well developed, um, and I, it feels like a very sort of lived in world. It's am- I, it's amazing how developed lee is considering how sparse how little he says uh, yeah yeah and how um restrained the uh, performance. The performance is well i mean again it's one of those things that's communicated through little gestures so for example like he uh, casey affleck talked about holding the bag earlier i like that casey affleck who was on this podcast not darren reading casey affleck but you, uh, you did have a special uh, casey affleck voice i did what did I just, it sound like it was from boston um 
Don't Star ever do Trek. that again. I, I, one of the things, like, we're talking about how the, the script is, like, blackly comical. I do like the idea of, of Ken uh, Long, uh, Lonergan. I like sitting, Star Trek. Yeah, sitting down. And basically that's, thinking of things that it would be uh, funny. Worse. <laughs> yeah, thinking of things that it would be funny to hear in a Boston accent. A Boston accent. So, uh, things like Star we Trek should, we should or both, Sharks. We should both stop. Sharks. I don't no. feel like we talk about sharks enough. Um, so... Can 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 we please stop Ed. stop doing that? Okay, okay, okay. Um, but for uh, anyone who's still listening, we apologize sincerely for that. Um, but what we I saying, say to you, <laughs> that's not what your shark can do for you. Um, but what you can do for your Star Trek. Um, Longren is actually a fan of Star Trek. Actually, uh, incidentally, that came across. That 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 reminded me of the moment in. Um, the what is it the the hunt for red october or um or is it crimson tides where it oh, becomes where obvious that, Quint, that quentin tarantino he likes was the a, silver surfer or yeah, star trek it's like this is so out of place in this movie <laughs> yeah um, you can tell that he was drafted in as a script doctor on this film yeah um but yeah no i, I actually quite like i thought it was a nice touch it was a very naturalistic conversation to have although that might be because i like maybe, about maybe in this house <laughs> yeah maybe in this household maybe less so in boston but yeah, no, it is it is very good. But let's talk about Patrick then. Yeah. Because Patrick is, is awesome. Well, first of all, Lucas Hedges is great. Uh, and I think that, like, while Casey Affleck's gotten a lot of attention, deservedly so, I think Hedges is really, really good as well. He is very, very good. He is. And Patrick is is surprisingly well fleshed out. He's a character who, it can be very difficult to write teenagers. Yeah. I think. Uh, it can be very difficult to write convincing teenagers. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that, that Lonergan has sort of has talked about in, in interviews is his argument or his belief, because Margaret was also about, about a sort of a teenage character as well as caught up in this situation, that when he writes teenagers, he basically, his approach is that like the difference between a teenager and adult is a teenager looks at the world and says, I'm going to go out and I'm going to make it a better place. I'm going to stop war by protesting. I'm going to, you know, s- strike a blow for women's rights by going out and marching. Whereas an adult goes, look, that's not going to make any difference. And what is the difference between the two and which is which of those is the better perspective to have? I think that there's there's a sense of that, like, he doesn't patronize in the way that he writes Patrick. He he writes Patrick as, as a character who is fully formed and who is fully developed, but who has a sort of an energy that Lee is lacking. And who has yeah. a sort of like a... Like, Patrick seems to genuinely believe that he can single-handedly run and inherit his father's his father's business or his father, not his father's business but his father's boat for example yeah uh, without lee uh, frowning over his shoulders you know yeah. he believes that he can manage two girlfriends simultaneously and to be fair seems to make a decent go of it yeah i would say to patrick it prob- probably probably don't 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 hide that fact from 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 the two girlfriends because I, I I believe one of them finds yes, out later of... on. It doesn't seem to be really too too phased by it. Yeah, yeah, that could have ended badly that for could you, have Patrick. Ended very badly it's, for it, 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 oh, it, it should have been op- open hearts, open minds. It's like, oh, by the way, you're 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 aware of my other girlfriend. Cool. I think you may be overestimating the open mindedness of of Boston, uh, sort of, of of like these. Well, there's a great scene where they're driving home after he has dinner with his uh, mother and her very, very Christian boyfriend or husband, I think. Is he your husband now? Um, and sort of uh, Lee goes, you do know we're Christian too, right? <laughs> um, so I think maybe you're you're overestimating the open mindedness of this small Manchester by the sea community. Perhaps, perhaps so. 
But uh, he is. He's he's really good. And it's he's a new breed, Darren. It is a new breed. But he seems like he's really got his sort of his his stuff together. And I, I like that he's not he's not awkward, but he's not overly cool. So like he's in a band, and he's in a band in the most ridiculous way that teenagers are in bands. Was we are Stentorium, a surf and scratch, uh, which I think the audience laughed at every single time that he delivered that line. And stuff like the the girls who are are you going to was it Gladfest? What is it? Yeah, that? yeah. Um, and it's like are those your girl? Are those also your girlfriends? Like they wish. Uh, <laughs> he has that sort of swagger to him almost, which yeah, I like. yeah. It and I think I'd be inter- I'd be interested to see him in other roles because I think a lot of the time the um, the strength of a performance when it comes to a teenager is often. The casting. Down to casting, rather yeah, than rather the range, than, rather, yeah, rather than the the actor as such. Yeah, well, I mean, well, that's one of the things when the arguments about why why actors traditionally have difficulty transitioning from child or teen stars into into later years, such as Ryan Gosling, for example. Yes, well, I mean, to to be fair, it's not a, Ryan Gosling wasn't was he? Would you consider Ryan Gosling to have been a huge child star? He was just in the Disney Club. He was in the Disney Club. Along with Britney Spears. It's a pretty big deal, Darren. Were you in the Disney Club? I was, actually. Oh. You don't remember that? They came to Sligo? Uh, I got introduced to Owen and Pumba. That That backfired horribly, Andrew. Oh, okay. Well, what have you done since? Yeah, my CV. See, this is what I'm talking about. Child actors, they have such a terrible, terrible time of it. Did, uh, we can't all be Neil Patrick Harris. He, he, he. There, you didn't manage your transition. No, I like didn't. You're, you're famous now, and you were famous then, but we didn't know that was the same person. Yeah, I feel like there's an entire audience there waiting to be tapped of people who saw me introduced to Mon and Pumba when I was eight years old, and now are going to read X Files books written by me. I was and this really podcast. not expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> that really threw you off guard. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, now I remember you telling me that one time. <laughs> um, but yeah, so no, um, it is. That's one of the reasons I do think it's difficult for child stars such as myself. Um, you to, introduced Timon and Pumba to the world, or to Ireland, or, or just that weekend. I suspect that it was on weekends before and weekends after. Yeah, but but never with the enthusiasm. Take 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 your plaudits, there. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. But uh, no, it is it is. Uh, and Patrick, yeah, I really really do like the sort of swagger of Patrick. He has that thing that teenagers have where they couldn't introduce Timon and Pumba the way you could, though. No, I'm sorry, Lucas Lucas Hedges. You, you you know you may have an Oscar nomination, but you did not host the Irish version of the Disney Club. Or introduce a small segment of the Irish version of the Disney Club. Whichever one of those it is, I actually did. Because um, we, <laughs> there's no way to fact check this. Pretty people. big deal. Pretty big deal. Andrew, do you, you're sitting in the presence of greatness. But um, no, and he has this swagger where he's like, I do love, I love the scene where um, after, after the pizza scene that you referenced, which is yeah. it's a lovely little touch. This bit where he goes upstairs and he pops his head into Lee's room and he's like, uh, can, uh, can, can, can Sylvia stay? Uh Dad, dad always lets her, and uh, Lee's like, "Then why are you asking me?" <laughs> <laughs> I love, just... I love, like, like he, he, he has this really low energy, yeah, very um, snarky sort of, but very yeah. yeah. The the um, Lee throughout the movie, and I think this is probably Lee um, before as well as after has has this. This 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 very uh, humorous kind of yeah as you say kind of snarkiness yeah 
I think it runs in the family. Yeah. Like there's, there's a great moment later on where, like, Lee, in a, in a fit of anger, um, as staring out at the beautiful sea view of Manchester by the Sea, flexes his arm through the window and snaps his, his knuckles through the glass or whatever. And later on... It's the weirdest uh, Pat- descri- description of punching a window you have ever heard. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, Andrew. Uh, get back to me when you've introduced Timon and Pumba on national <laughs> television. Um, never living that down. But uh, later on, Patrick notices that his knuckles are all bloody. Uh, and he's like, what happened? And, and Lee goes, I cut myself. And Patrick goes, oh, that's good. For a few minutes there, I didn't know what happened. Uh, <laughs> but there is this sort of really snarky um, attitude. Or the, even the bit where, like, after he collects, he collects Patrick from, is it Sylvia's house? Yeah. Uh, where he's like, you want to know what? I don't want to know what happened. You don't want to know what happened. <laughs> um, but it is. They play very, very well together. There's a wonderful sort of chemistry there. Yeah. And I think... I um, So, the 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 thing about this movie that, that that's masterful is while is while this is a very there 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 is a somewhat pessimistic message but it means that the the, the little the, bit of the optimism messi- the the message is that in some cases all of the all of uh, all of the positive things in the world will not make up for, for the terrible things for, that happen for the terrible things that happen but there's so much in this movie that 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 demonstrates how um, how charming the world is that you can't really go away from the movie well, I mean, feel, you, feeling feeling too terrible about yeah. the world. I mean, you could argue like that that Patrick is the flip side of the coin from Lee. Like Lee can't get over, and obviously it's a very different thing to lose three children as compared to to lose a father who you knew was going to pass away at some point soon. Yeah, but I I think there is like a parallel there or a contrast between like Lee who locks himself out of the world and Patrick whose response is to want to physically stay in the world in a very literal sense yeah. by wanting to remain in Manchester by the sea and wanted to keep his father's boat. Yeah. Um, and I think that like for all that that Lee's story is sad and Lee's story is incredibly heartbreakingly sad. Patrick's story, on the other hand does suggest that it's possible to I, I don't know if he's so broken that he needs to heal so to speak to put it in that sort of melodramatic self-help language but that he can get over it and that he can get through this trauma and isn't defined by it i think there's something and, and i mean to be honest even randy arguably randy who marries and, and has children again like obviously she's never going to get over she she talks herself about how you know, she's there's a bit of her that's broken her heart is still broken yeah but she's put a life back together in a way that you know, that Lee cannot. And I mean, you can argue that's because Lee feels responsible because he was the one who left the fire got off. Yeah, we, we haven't spoken much about Randy and about yeah. Michelle Williams. Now, I think... One of the things that, that struck me is it's a very small role. Very small role. Like, she and gets I very high billing on the poster and in the trailer. A lot of people have said that. Yeah. However... Um, She's great. She she is fantastic. Um, Some people have said that they wanted that to be developed more. I disagree i i think that the that the scant treatment of it just kind of um heightens the 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 tragedy of it yeah because she wants to go to lunch she wants there to be more scenes in in in, In the movie i like i like i like the idea that like you're you're randy getting over her grief is in some way like equivalent to michelle williams wanting to muscle into this casey affleck action as in there, there are people who who see uh, this character, uh, Randy, and want there to be more 
um, of her in these of life. Her, uh, in in yeah, exactly. And, and she wants there to be more of her in these. Yeah, lives but as well. that, that's that's that, that that's the point. That, that's the point. Yeah. yeah, and 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 that's and I agree. It, it's it's something that she has to get across in a very a small, small amount of time. Amount of time. Because I mean, and, she has and, yeah. she has like one big scene uh, portraying her before the accident, before the the horrible accident, which yeah. is a scene in bed after he comes home drunk, which yeah. I think captures the contours of their relationship very well. Like it's a relationship that feels, you know, for one short scene, it feels very like you can tell there's obviously affection there. Yeah, you can tell there's also a little bit of tension there, but nothing that you know people in relationships don't go through. It's not idealized or romanticized or whatever, but yeah, it, it, it feels like a very lived in relationship. The the thing I thought interesting as well was how both of them are quite different people before and after. Yeah. As in, she... Um, well, I mean, even her, her hairstyle yeah. and her costuming changes exactly. significantly. There, there's something very kind of... Transformative. Yeah, and there's 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 something kind of pristine and cold about her almost. Yeah. Um, well, because there is, because I mean, she she during that conversation with me at the end, she talks about how she is like she's on the verge of crying and breaking down, and there's a sense that she's constantly like she might be constantly like that, just hiding it behind. Yeah, because I don't imagine like I didn't mean that in a pejorative way. Yeah, okay. but, yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean that. I don't think there's any way you could ever get over something like that. No, but I do think that there's a way like she represents so she's moved forward. Yeah, she's, uh, than she's also created something for for herself not as a way of getting over it because no, she never can no. but as a way of living yeah with it yeah uh, as opposed to sort of hunkering down or building a little sort of yeah you know renting a jail what, cell whatever 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 either of, whatever response either of them were ever going to have to this thing um happening it was never going to be to remain the person that they were. Yeah. There was never going because to be that sense they, of continuity. that person that they were was uh, destroyed. Yeah. Uh, and, and understandably so. One of the things that I really sort of... I, we're, we're talking about like the, the sort of happy ending to it. Like one of the things I like about it is that... Was it such a happy ending? No, it wasn't such a happy ending. But the not bleak, nihilistic, sort of suicide inspiring ending to it is the, the fact that like... And it's one of those things that's conveyed very well through actions or through like direction... Or through like actual, you know, rather than dialogue. It's a scene when they're walking home from uh, the funeral, from Joe's funeral, which finally happens in spring. Yeah. Um, and what's his name? Uh, Lee finds a little ball. Yeah. And he picks it up and he walks with it and he bounces it. And he bounces it and he, he throws it over to Patrick. And Patrick throws it back and Lee sort of fumbles it and drops it. And, and his attitude is just like, let it go. And and Patrick instead goes back and picks it up again and throws it to him again. And it's sort of like in that small little gesture that's shot in long distance in a way that sort of evokes the nice little fishing sequence at the start of the film. There's a sense that this is how people help one another, even in these these small gestures like that. Lee can't carry it by himself, that if he if he's willing to throw it back and forth with Patrick and even if he can't keep up the conversations even if he can't keep up the, or sustain those interactions so like when he's silent when he's talking with uh, Sylvia's mother uh, for example or when he can't make small talk uh, when he openly acknowledges to Patrick that he can't make small talk that other people who care about him like Joe and, and to be honest like Patrick as well will pick up the ball that he fumbles and, and still throw it back at him like, I think I think it's just a beautiful little image that sort of sums up I think what the film is trying to say 
Life is like catchy ball. It is. Um, if you drop it, make sure you have a nephew nearby to pick it up and throw it at you again. Everybody gets a do-over. Thanks for pointing out that I don't have a nephew. Um, or a catch ball. Or a catch ball. Yeah, and life is tough, Andrew. Life is very, very tough. We're going to have our own very own uh, 250 catch ball merch. Yeah. Um, you can buy it with, with the branding. Um, it'll have our faces on it as well. Catchy balls. You can just throw it at walls. But uh, And then finally, actually, just I said we talk. Uh, Andrew has noticed that when I say, but we'll talk about that later, we yeah. very rarely actually talk about that later. It's a deflection technique. It is a very good deflection technique. It happens whenever if I feel like Andrew's ramping up to a controversial topic. So in honor of that fact, I'm going to actually make a point and reference something or explain something that I referenced at the very start what, of the podcast. That terrible thing Casey Affleck did? Or something else. Oh, are we going to talk about that? We'll talk about that I in don't, a second. I, I, I don't know if we have to. Well, I, I mean... I mean, I... Like, so the... I think some some of the mo- movies we've spoken about were, um, for example... Annie Hall. Annie Hall for example... Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge. And another example, um, Leon. Were, yeah. were, were movies where there were que- questions about the directors yeah. and s- that some of those uh, into the work. seemed to bleed into the work. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas That whereas, doesn't happen so much with actors. Well, yeah, I, I mean... In that Casey Affleck's history doesn't necessarily affect his performance. Exactly. They're, 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 we, we, we don't... And anyway, they, what... what um, there is, I mean, you, we. There, it is a. Th- well, to be it fair, is a thing that there that there were allegations that were yeah, settled, settled out of court, yeah. and it is a very thorny thing because you can't presume or you no, shouldn't presume course, guilt in no, that no. case. I think a lot of people have this kind of like stink. Um, uh, no smoke without fire. Their, yeah. their 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 head about him, but but uh, you're 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 quite right. That may be an unfair. Yeah, I mean, no, no one can. And speak also, to it it's got nothing part. to do with this movie. Yeah, and no one can speak to to that without being part of it. Yeah. Um and I mean, it's not even like the case with, say, the the Parker case around Birth of a Nation, where like that was settled or that that was sort of resolved in a way that did not involve the sentencing uh, of Nate Parker himself, but that there were surrounding details that sort of largely fed into that. I think that with, say, Casey Affleck, for example, there are a lot of there's a lot of stuff that isn't necessarily known. And and I feel like jumping to conclusions based on the settlement is is in yeah. some some ways, like it's understandable if you feel uncomfortable about it. Yeah, I don't. I I would, I would not personally feel comfortable rushing to an a, a assumption no. of guilt. I was surprised the amount of people um, who who um, when speaking to them uh, uh, brought that up. Well, I, th- I think it has. I think it has a lot to do with the current climate. Like I think that when you have a, a president who was elected despite boasting about sexually assaulting women that when you're talking about the oscars uh, and the possibility that that casey affleck will win best actor and he was favorite yeah that you want to in that case actually put, draw a hard line under an issue like sexual harassment yeah. now i don't know if if that's justified in a case where it was settled as opposed to a case where the person was caught on tape bragging about it yeah um, i think there is a difference there perhaps but i can understand like say constance Wu, for example who is very outspoken, uh, uh, fantastic. She's a fantastic writer, a very astute cultural observer. I can understand her unease uh, with this. And I can understand the argument that, like, this year of all years, the Oscars should probably hope to steer clear of that and maybe recognize uh, something else. But this is a discussion that, that you and I sort of touched on in Hacksaw Ridge, where you think that the Oscars should objectively be the best films of the year. 
yeah. I, I am more pragmatic in that I, I think they are a platform. And I think they speak more aspirationally to what Hollywood wants movies to be and what Hollywood sees movies as being idealistically. Um, I, I think they are a sort of an idealistic or ideological statement in, in some way, shape or form. And I can understand... Wait until after the winners are announced and, yeah. and then and then say whether you think they're, they're an, an ideological um, yeah. platform for 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 uh, what see, what, what the it, world ought to be i'm saying that see i'm saying that now um because i don't want to get embroiled in that discussion when it actually happens <laughs> uh i'm cleverly sidestepping that but i do think i do think it's a discussion worth having i think it's i think casey affleck's performance is amazing i think it is one of the best film performances i've seen this year i think yeah. it's the best of the nominated performances that i I've take seen this back year. what i said about ryan reynolds <laughs> not Ryan Reynolds Ryan Gosling why am I doing this to Ryan Gosling why aren't you doing this to Ryan Reynolds every time you do this Ryan Reynolds get really excited he gets really excited he's yeah. like I finally won Andrew over maybe he rewatched it and came to a, to a new sort of epiphany about it I, f- I feel like Ryan Reynolds should, should have been nominated for an Oscar but I, I mean for 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 Deadpool or for Van Wilder party liaison I mean there's just so many masterpieces in that man's back catalogue yeah um, I mean, R.I.P.D., Blade Trinity, Green Lantern. There are just so many choices. Wolverine, X-Men Origins. I mean, the man is just hit after hit after hit. Yeah, you'll always find a masterpiece in his back catalogue. That sounds like a really creepy euphemism, Andrew. It does. Um, anyway, what I was going to say, before we got sidetracked into talking about Casey Affleck, when I said I'll talk about something later, I was going to talk about the sound design. Because back at the very start of the podcast bookends um, I remarked that uh, I really like the sound design of the film and it's one of those things that I think communicates that idea of space but there's always like when you're watching the film you can always hear things very precisely like the the movie constantly cuts into conversations and dialogue in the middle of those conversations and cuts out in the middle of those conversations so for example the flashbacks with Joe frequently begin sort of in media res or in the middle of like a conversation about sharks yeah. um, or uh, <laughs> And sort of cut away before any conclusion is actually reached. Because it's not the substance of what's being said that's important. It's the fact that these people are together. And I think that the, the sound design enforces that absolutely beautifully. Because you get a sense of like the world as a place that's full of life. Even when characters are alone. So for example, like Patrick strumming his, his stick along the graveyard. The, the fence of the graveyard, for example, to create noise in the world. Or the scene, the wonderful scene where... Um, Lee is trying to phone the funeral home to arrange uh, the cost of ferrying his brother's body uh, to the uh, the undertakers. And you can hear, like, at the same time, Sylvia's coming down and she's getting a bowl out. And you hear the clack of the bowl. You hear the click of the spoon in the bowl. You hear the crunkling of the, the Rice Krispies. You hear all this sort of stuff in the background. Yeah. And there's a sense that the world is a place that is sort of lived in. You hear the yeah. chirping of birds. You hear the creaking of... You hear the sound of snow underfoot as he's walking. Like, one of the things that Manchester by the Sea captured really well, and it does it beautifully through its sound design, is a sense of a world, the world is a place that you physically pass through. It's not just, like, a construct. It's something that's physical and, and real and something that's sort of, that you touch and that has a texture. And that's yeah. very hard to convey in film, and I think the and, sound design does yeah, that. Yeah, because it, it, it doesn't feel like we're watching something on a stage. No. It feels like we're uh, immersed. Yeah. Because because on 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 a stage, your your attention is drawn to one very central thing. Yeah. But but um, in this movie, 
there are so many um, little details. Yeah, that 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 take your attention to 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 different areas, and it makes it feel like I say, like a more immersive experience. It really is, and it is. It's sort of like the world feels inhabited and living. Like there's a great scene, like when Joe gets his diagnosis, for example. Like when Joe gets his diagnosis, there's a flashback, and his father and and Lee's father is sitting there with his with his ex-wife and the father never appears again and there are a couple I of think, offhand I think, references I think I think he appears when when Lee has just is in the police station oh okay oh he, he maybe he's, he is he would be in that scene as well yeah, actually yeah. but he, he he like he's not in the present narrative and it's no. explained a couple of times that he passed away just in fleeting detail yeah. but like the little texture of having him there like creates a sense that this is a world where people actually exist and even stuff like lee asking for his brother's doctor by name and discovering she's on maternity leave like dr bethany for example yes and her showing up at the funeral and stuff like that like there is a sense it it captures a very real sense they're they're talking about these people that aren't there yeah and 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 it makes it makes it seem like oh yeah this isn't just what you're seeing on screen this yeah, isn't like this a constructed is, this, narrative exactly because if it were a constructed narrative it would make it would be make and i like that we're, it, is, it, it is obviously a constructed narrative but it the fact that they have two doctor characters when it would be more efficient to just have one yeah they don't they don't cut fat in this movie. yeah and there's 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 so much fat left on and it and it's all the better for it that's it like and this is like when you're talking about that lonergan being a great writer like if you did this wrong yeah like if you left the wrong fat on, if you indulged in whatever, if you, you added all these details that didn't go anywhere, but they didn't serve a purpose or they didn't enrich the world, it would become suffocating. It would become insufferable. It would be difficult to watch. It would be like zonk. It would, you'd fall asleep watching it. But um, yes, I just said zonk. Uh, it would be zonk. But uh, the fact that it's so carefully in, in that intricate, messy chaos... Like, the fact that there's a sense of purpose and there's a sense of self. Like, I, we talked at the start of the, the podcast about how, like, Matt Damon uh, approached uh, Lonergan to write this. Uh, because he want, he actually wanted to do this, do a favour to Lonergan. Because Lonergan was in the middle of his, the, the big battle over Margaret. And he was like, look, we'll throw him a script. We'll, we'll throw him a bone. We'll, we'll get him paid to write this script that I'll direct. Uh, and Lonergan basically, sorry, and Matt Damon um, sort of talked about how uh, when he, when he read the script, like, it was long and it was meandering and it was effing incredible. I called him and I said, Kenny, you are the only person who can direct this. This is completely a Kenny Lonergan movie. He put up a little fight, but those characters had their claws into him. And I think there is, there's, there's that sort of, like, if a writer or a director who wasn't this good tried to do this, it would fall spectacularly on its face. Like, and and the fact that it doesn't seem like it's balancing on a knife edge at, at any point yeah. is a credit to that, I think. Yeah, because this is, this is one of those sort of, um, it could easily be one of these indie movies where there's some sort of, you know, quirk in there that, that, that just feels a little bit silly or whimsical. Yeah. And, and, and that doesn't really happen. Everything, everything is so well measured. And, and yeah, I don't know how he does it. Yeah, well, it's interesting that you said that this doesn't feel like a play, right? Because um, 
It feels like a movie. It is. It, it is a movie. Well, if no, if 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 it feels like you're 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 in you're in this you're this, in the this kind of world that they've created. But it's 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 not stagey or whatever. No, I think your point no, is right. yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, because because Lonergan's written for the stage, and he says that one of the things that that's different about writing for a film is that you have the option of editing afterwards. Um, when you're editing the film, it's basically like a final rewrite. Um, and that he found that a lot of the film came together when he was when he was editing it because like Casey Affleck would insist on doing hundreds of takes yeah um, and that sort of stuff and then you can get to stitch them together and it's almost like you get to write the first draft you get to, to see it performed and then you get to in the way that you stitch it together is a form of writing of itself which is a very fascinating way of looking at uh, at sort of at the construction of film and the construction of cinema in fact it reminds me of I think like the writer the television writer Darren Morgan used to describe the editing booth as the final rewrite rewrite uh, because in film and in television if you do it properly editing editing allows you to do stuff like construct that world and, and sort of tighten it or whatever you know better than most are <laughs> do i um do i do i do i um no no i don't there's very little editing on the 250 podcast it just works perfectly the first time out um there will not be any outtakes ever. yeah I've, I've 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 spoken about this with people and they've said what outtakes i don't <laughs> And I, which, which, which is testament to the fact that we've never had any ever. No, no, it just flows perfectly. Um, but anyway, so I, I really, I really like the film. I love the film. In fact, I love it a great deal. I've seen it twice. I actually, I'm quite looking forward to seeing it a third time uh, eventually. Although to be honest, it is, it's not something that I will rush out to see a third time. I'd rather process it <laughs> and maybe see it a little while <laughs> later. Um, because it is. Like it never becomes suffocating, uh, but it is it is harrowing in places, and it's it a is difficult movie. It is. It's and it, not difficult it's in not a great way. Like, yeah, yeah. It's not something that that you necessarily want to kind of in, inflict upon yourself if you're feeling <laughs> in um, any way melancholy. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. I, I I definitely agree with that. I mean, I saw it. I saw it as part of the original Oscar rush, so I saw it yeah. after La La Land. Yeah, and it was like uh, that leveled me out. Yeah, like the yeah, two of them back to back leveled me out. Yeah, I mean, I I quite enjoyed uh, Rogue One with a Hangover. Um, <laughs> you imagine this with a Hangover? Yeah, the would probably probably not, probably not be so bad. I probably sound like a complete reprobate. I'm not hungover all the time. It's we just, just that we recorded a weekend sometimes, and it's just that we go to cinemas that occasionally serve alcohol. <laughs> uh, we should actually we should we oh, should mention, we that. Should we should mention the one. lighthouse, the lighthouse cinema. Which Did, Darren had popcorn, I had a black pudding. I like the way you make me sound like like a pear uh, sausage roll with 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 a beetroot slaw for only um, five euro. Yeah, and and there was and there was there was there was this lovely broccoli and. And kind of feta cheese salad, and 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 there was toss toss greens and a balsamic glaze. Um, it it was, and this was a cinema. Yeah, to be clear, it wasn't. It wasn't it as was if we were eating next door. Some and then serious gentrification by your open <laughs> in group Smithfield. Cinema. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we do love the lighthouse. Lighthouse is actually all like if you were to take the cinema as a whole, it is my favorite cinema in Dublin. Because it, yeah, it's 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 for grown ass man. Like us. Yes, we were totally grown-ass men, Andrew. Yeah. Um, and they do, they have, like, special parties and stuff. It makes, this makes it sound like we're getting payola from the lighthouse. <laughs> yeah. It really does. Like, 
all, I mean, but, Andrew's getting paid in black pudding sausage rolls. By all means. Um, and I'm getting paid in, in popcorn. But yeah, we do like it. And we went to see it there. It's where you went to see Rogue One as well, I believe. Tis, tis. Um, twas. Twas indeed. Twas indubitably. Um, and I suspect the black sausage, uh, the black sausage, the black pudding sausage roll uh, made it uh, a much more enjoyable film. I feel like sitting in the lighthouse where it was nice and comfortable made the film sort of more... I should have had a beer as well. <laughs> like, like, can't like, pass the lighthouse like without having a beer. Like Lee. Lee yeah. who spends most of the movie sort of drinking alcohol. Which I, I have to admit, I was sort of surprised. I would have figured after the horrible accident that happened, I figured he would have stayed away from booze maybe or, or cut down a bit or, you know. No. Am I misreading this? Am I being too judgmental? Uh, for 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 someone who's never drank, really, Good well, uh, I have no understanding of the psychology of drinking. Yeah, yeah, that's sweet, sweet, sweet nectar <laughs> that eases the pain. Yeah, funny you should mention the uh, lighthouse actually, because we're both big fans of it. But one of the more interesting, when I say interesting, I mean interesting in a nerdy sort of way, facts about uh, Manchester by the Sea is that's actually it's the first movie distributed by a streaming company to win a or to earn a Best Picture nomination. Um, so, for example, last year, Netflix tried to do it with uh, Beasts of No Nation, or sorry, a year before, uh, Netflix tried to do it with Beasts of No Nation, starring Idris Elba, which was, was really, really great, but uh, couldn't quite crack it. Uh, whereas, on the other hand, Amazon uh, went to, basically bought this for, for a massive amount of money um, and managed to earn an Oscar nomination off it. And one of the reasons why they suspect Manchester by the Sea got an Oscar nomination and, say, Beasts of No Nation didn't is because of sort of a difference in strategy. So, for example when uh amazon bought this oh sorry when when netflix released uh beast of no nation they released it simultaneously on netflix for streaming and a small limited run in theater uh which i think sort of i think the argument is that that rubbed certain people the wrong way traditionalists sort of who would argue that a movie needs to be released in cinemas to be a proper movie and people who are anxious about say the new distribution model of the 20th century or 21st century whereas on the other hand manchester by the sea was released very much in the style of a traditional film. So it had a very prestigious rollout. It premiered at film festivals. It had a limited theatrical release. It had a wider theatrical release. It had an international theatrical release. And then it's it's only going to arrive on Amazon Prime uh, a few months from now. Um, so it's not going straight there. It's not being consigned straight away to a streaming service. Uh, which is, it's you know, it, it's an interesting approach. And I think it's sort of a very, very sneaky way of a, a streaming studio getting an Oscar nomination by, by appealing to a very traditional model. But it's sort of fascinating to think of Manchester by the Sea as something that is in some ways, ironically enough, a sea changer. See what I did there. Uh, but it is also sort of an indication of, of maybe sort of the changes that are taking place behind the scenes. Do I think we'll ever see uh, a streaming service uh, Oscar nomination for, for a film that opens like on a streaming service simultaneously with a small theatrical release? I don't think so, or I'd be very surprised if we did. But I do think Manchester by the Sea sort of illustrates how the game is changing. It is particularly notable because, uh, basically, Amazon have been doing this this quite a while. Like So, for example, this year they bought up um, Elvis and Nixon, for example, which, which went straight to theatres. Uh, they also bought up Kumail uh, Nanjiani's The Big Sick at uh, Sundance this year, and that's also going to have a similar sort of release model. So Amazon are sort of, it's, it's a weird hybrid of sort of halfway between a, a uh, conventional uh, prestige studio, like say the, the Weinstein Company or 20th Century Fox's Searchlight or, or Warner Brothers or whatever, um, and something sort of new and, and something sort of streaming. And it's just sort of fascinating to, to look at that because, because, by all impressions, Manchester by the Sea is a very traditional Oscar-y film. 
but it's, it's interesting to see the path that it takes to distribution and how that sort of changed sort of reflecting the, the modern industry i think that's actually one of the more interesting aspects of the oscars is seeing the industry react to itself and seeing the industry react to changes and growth and sort of development i don't know sorry i'm just just rambling now about it apologies all right well with that in mind then we'll sort of wrap this up um andrew what are you doing at the moment because this is going out live or pretty much close to live at the moment i am not doing anything cool i am not doing it had to think about that i was hoping as as i was drawing it out (laughs) that i would think something (laughs) Something would hit you at the end um cool that's grand i am uh, still publishing a book on the x-files um that will be very exciting i'm very very happy this this is coming out in in june so you can order it off Amazon, uh, .co.uk or .com. Or uh, if if that's not your bag, uh, you can order, you can ask your local library to stock it uh, and they'll order it in for you and I'll still get the cash. Uh, yeah. So I would really appreciate it if, if you would consider doing that. In the meantime, you get can... Get your hands on this monograph. It really is. Um, and we'll see if we can figure out about doing something related to that as, as we get closer to the time that it's released. Uh, Capital idea there. Now we're committed. Now we're committed. It's it's live and recorded, unless I edit it out. But that's okay because we never edit these podcasts. We ne- <laughs> never edit these podcasts out. Thank you, Andrew. I'm glad that you affirmed that. Now you can talk. You can hit us up on Twitter. You can hit Andrew at Aquanuka, which is spelt A Q U I N N I U Q A. That's nice. And you can hit me up at Darren underscore Mooney, which doesn't have anything near that sexy rhythmic sort of quality to it. Um, and you can also follow the 250 at the 250 uh, as spelled using real letters. Um, and you can also hit us up on Stitcher or on iTunes. If you enjoy the podcast, please tell everyone. Uh, share us, uh, like us, love us, people. Uh, give us five star ratings. We're getting validation out the kazoo. At we the really moment. are. We uh, don't know what to do with all this praise. Um, if you don't like it, please tell us, let us know, tweet us, uh, text us, whatever. We'll see what we can do. Feedback, input, welcome. So with that in mind, folks, have a good week. And we will be back sometime soon, possibly with one of our one of our episodes looking at a classic movie. Maybe. I, I, would, I, would, I, would, I would be hoping we, 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 we go that way. All right. Take I'm it easy, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.